townsfolk look at each other. They murmur. You can see many of them are covered in sickening black growths. Many of them walk off out of town. They catch up with the flagellants. And you can see from this hill in the center of town, the horde approaches. They are welcomed with song. What about the Jews? Are they helping me? They surely don't want to go and join the flagellants. And they nah. probably have the least plague because they actually bathe and things. They are locked up inside their homes, terrified of um, the villagers who have lately been accusing them of poisoning the wells. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, that was, that was an unfortunate misunderstanding. We might have to door knock the Jewish ghetto. The crowd has thinned out now. There's probably around 30 people. And as the horde of flagellants approaches, it vastly outnumbers the crowd of faithful townsfolk surrounding you. The enemy of our enemy is our friend. Townsfolk, we must stand together in this time. And we must call upon the help of the Jews. Yes, I hear much fear and murmurs among you, and I assure you there will be an inquisition to inquire as to whether the waters have been poisoned after this immediate problem has been dealt with. However, don't you think that the Jews, who wash their hands before every meal and bathe more often than any of us and drink from the same wells as us, would be sick if they had been poisoning the wells? No. They're not. Conspicuous, I agree. And we will inquire after this when the dust has settled. But for now, we must unite the town. We must resist the enemy outside the gate before we concern ourselves with the enemy within. But, but father, one woman cries out, we have sinned. I have heard you say so. We are sinners. We are terrible folk and and we deserve this damnation, do we not? Yes, and God will bring it upon us. But it not falls upon us to tear our own flesh and rend our own bodies. And it certainly falls upon us to protect what we can. These people, they, they must be God-fearing. I mean, God-fearful. Where in the Bible does it say to rend your own flesh? Find it for me. Oh, wait, you can't read it. I can. Trust me. This is madness, not the way of God, not the way of the church. Which of our saints carried themselves about in this way? Ripping their flesh and whipping themselves and screaming like this? Oh, a little light whipping is one thing. We all get around a little light whipping here and there. But this flagellation rending of the flesh self-propitiation smacks of pagan devilry and I'll not have it in my town well sir we'll stand with you she steps forward what would you have us do we must go door to door and see that all of those who are currently locked in and hiding come out they must be ordered to and they must be ordered to help they must be assured that no harm will come to them if they defend the town. However, if they do not, 
we may set their homes ablaze. We will shore up the gate and show strength at the wall. And I am confident that if we are imposing enough, they will fear to enter and move on to the next town. It will be done. She scampers off. The other townsfolk disperse. Some of them stick around. Some ask for your blessing. Yes, I'm, I grant it. I do some blessings. The hour is late in the afternoon, and the light this cloudless day is pure and golden. It rains down upon the horde of flagellants as they approach. And you can see clearer now. They are led by a small group of older men. Gray hair, long beards. We're all wearing crisp white robes. Of course, stained bright crimson. And accompanying them are a few peasants carrying large, colorful flags made from tatters of velvet clothing. There are others who hold chests overflowing with gold, jewels, treasures. Then there are men hunched over, huge burdens pressing upon them. They are like donkeys carrying the load, food, and wine for a hundred souls. They all look a bit like Bodley, hook-necked and bulgy-eyed. Yep, there's plenty of that. Hunchbacked. As you noticed earlier, many of them are covered in the bulbous repellent growths which pulsate and spew juices seemingly of their own accord like blackberry wine yes precisely I spit out the mouthful of blackberry wine (laughs) (laughs) that I was drinking (laughs) (laughs) the degenerates amble towards the gates where you stand. I stand on top of the the gate looking down over the parapet. It's a palisade, wooden. Reinforced at the bottom with stone, but you know, mostly a wooden palisade. Um, and I stand at the gate on top holding in one hand a trowel and in the other hand a sword striking a figure of the prophet Nehemiah. I call out In times of old, the great prophet Nehemiah held the walls of Jerusalem built by jewelers, paupers, bankers, tailors, anything but architects, who drew together and defended the city of God, for God was on their side. And I look back to my ragtag assembly. The city will stand. I hold in one hand the trowel for building up the city of God, and in the other the sword for fighting its enemies. And I point it toward 
gathered throng, and I called down to them, You menaces, you blights, take your pox elsewhere, or face the wrath of God at these walls. A young man steps forward. His robes are unstained with blood. And he calls out. Just as there was the flagellation of Christ, so the flagellation of man hath begun. Open these gates. Christ saith to all men, Hocus corpus meum, this is my body, given for you. All who eat of it shall never perish, shall never die. I fear not your sores, nor your weapons, nor your wounds. My life is hid. We give not our own flesh, for Christ gave his flesh for us. You are deceivers. I would kill you where you stand should you try to take these gates. Now leave this town. And I swing my sword menacingly through the flame of the torch, trying to catch a little bit of pitch on it. And <laughs> it's all about drama being a priest. See, I'm a very theatric priest. Backstory for old... Uh, yeah. I, I trained uh, actually as a street performer in London. But, uh, you know, when a penniless life drove me to crime and misery, I decided to seek retribution for my sins in a monastery after one particularly ill-fated encounter one night that left me sick with a venereal disease from which I thought I would never wake. When God healed me of my sins, I swore to use all my gifts to serve the kingdom. And among those gifts was a great sense of the theatric great sense of spectacle, and I realized the power that had with the peasants. I took a rural job, realized that with a bit of fire and brandish, you could really get them to do whatever you want. <laughs> well. Sorry, whatever God wants. <laughs> it seems in this case it might not be working as well as you desired. The young man who cried out to you turns back to the leader of the group, an old man with a withered hand. He discusses with the old man, and then from the throng comes a black-haired fellow with a limp. My God, Bodley, is that your cousin? Huh? It could be, actually. I was making a joke, Bodley. Oh, dear. The black-haired man approaches the two at the front of the group, and you can hear him whispering something in a snake-like voice. And then they turn and begin to march up the hill towards the monastery. Think of the story of Jericho and Joshua when the soldiers marched around the town and blew the trumpets and brought down the walls. I think it's best to get down to my horse, plant my feet on the ground instead of on this palisade, 
head down and I mount up and with Bodley Bodley just rides a little donkey <laughs> but it looks much grander compared to him than the horse to me he looks out of place even on a donkey he's sort of supposed to be running alongside the horse I think is really where Bodley's station in life is so I tell him as we gallop up to the to the abbey you reach the abbey past all the bodies and you see it's going to be a while before the crowd reaches the gates as they are ambling slowly and dying as they walk up the steps to your stronghold I consider as I ride that the abbey is uh, a very old Norman stone structure and its walls are and currently, like a beautiful churchyard fence, but were originally built as fortifications. Mm. And there are turrets on the roof of the abbey that serve well enough for bell towers, but once upon a time were Norman turrets for holding off invaders. Mm. So I have the foresight as I ride to think to grab, oh, maybe 50, 50 of the best townsmen I can, I can get to rustle up the town to fortify as many people within the monastery as possible to take only what provisions they can hurriedly bundle up and weapons and bows and to make for the monastery and fortify up the uh, the abbey we'll say 15 minutes later you've got 20 well our lord only had 12 so i'll make do none of you are fishermen are you Little Bible joke, you wouldn't know, you can't read. Never mind. One of them is the young woman who talked to you earlier. Uh, sir, I, I couldn't find a bow, but I have my father's, my father's club. How far do you think you could throw it? Oh, a dozen yards. I give it a look and think that if you dropped it from a great height, that could split a head. On top of the parapet for you. Very well. She runs to the top of the parapet. I call out to the crowd. Women, children, inside. But armed, you may need to fight if it comes to that. Men, I want you at the walls with me. The walls around the monastery are a little bit more imposing than a wooden palisade. But they're still not, you know, towering or anything like that and they could pretty easily be climbed over. Uh, but they're not wide enough to stand atop of, which means as people climb over them, they're sort of going to be fairly easy to skewer. Uh, so I'm hoping that a lot of them have boar spears and things like this. That's sort of common things to have. Everybody would really have a bow and a boar spear. We all hunt in this town. Uh, so uh, they all take up their little levy spears, uh, and I position them about... 10 feet apart around the perimeter of the wall to you know, cover as much as I can with the 20 or so people and uh, to you know, stab at anybody who, who tries to climb over. Uh, I put as many of the women up on top of the parapets as possible with just heavy things and lots of flagstones and roof tiles and things like that that they can throw. Uh, they don't have to throw them very far, but if they can just get them, you know, three meters, which anyone can do, They'll clear the wall and land on people. You prepare in the few minutes you have, and then 
as the crowd, the bloody crowd, gathers at the base of the monastery, there is a silence. The whips have stopped their lashing and the pitiful flagellants have stopped their crying. The black-headed man walks towards the door of the monastery and knocks thrice. Three knocks. Imposing. I walk over and I open the little uh, sliding visor on the wicker gate. Greetings, Father. Who are you? And what do you want with this place? I am nobody. Very well, I'll leave you to your business then. And I close the slider. You hear the three knocks again. I open the slider. Sorry, I must be mistaken. I thought nobody was at the door. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I am nobody in the eyes of our Lord. Just a speck of dust. An ant. Ah, that's good to hear. You see, because I happen to be a somebody. I am an ordained priest the father superior of this monastery, and I command you, nobody, to leave. If you do not, I will call to my people to have you killed. I am simply messenger. Yes, yes, heard it all before. Please, if you're a messenger, take this message with you. Leave this town. We want no bloodshed. Certainly not your own blood, which you seem to be shedding everywhere you go. Go bleed on somebody else's lawn. We must have entry to your monastery. We must. We need food and wine for our trek. The day is ahead. I'm sorry. Flagellants drink wine, do they? How peculiar. I thought you were all about self-denial. Why don't you go drink from the mud in the, in the banks around the town? You can drink from my latrine pot here. And I grab a, um, you know, just one of the chamber pots lying on hand, and I splash it through the little visor at his face. He spits and wipes the feces off himself. Um, not very effectively. Would you rather do Two dozen men, women, and children to starvation? I'm sorry, are you threatening me with a siege? No. I'm merely saying that if you do not supply us with our food and drink, then many will die. Bodley, does that sound like a threat to you? Um. What's a threat again, Master? A threat is when somebody holds consequences over you if you don't do what they say. Does that sound like what he's doing, Bodley? Consequences? Oh, Bodley, I really should have taught you to read, shouldn't I? Let me show you what happens to people who threaten me. And I point my crossbow out the eye hole, and I just, before I even give him an opportunity to react, I fire it straight through his eyes. He falls to the ground, 
head. And I call up the bell tower as loudly as I can. Throw pavers now at all of those at the gate. Pavers, stones, clubs, and all manner of other things fall from the towers above on the crowd below. And you hear cries, gargled, pained, screams, demonic, deafening. The old man at the front begins reciting some prayer or some curse. You're not sure which one. I say to Bodley, this seems like some kind of magic nonsense. Quick, grab that barrel of lamp oil. It'll need both of us to carry it up those stairs. We're going to stick a flame on it and drop it from a height. Yes, sir. And I heave that barrel of lamp oil and start carrying it up this flight of spiral stairs up to the top of the bell tower. It's very heavy, but the two of us together can sort of ease it up a stair at a time. You hear the screaming outside grows louder and louder, and the chanting of the old man somehow manages to eclipse the screaming of the hundred. Definitely some magic shenanigans going on bodily. Close your ears. How, how How do I do that? You're so good at not understanding everything I say most of the time, but now I need you to close your ears and you can't? Never mind. Thank you. I was assumed you had sort of skin folds there that kicked in whenever somebody was saying anything intelligent. As you clamber up the stairs, looking down from above and preparing the lamp oil, you see that the crowd is in an orgy. Yes, yes, blood sacrifice, doing some kind of ritual. Seen it all before. The women and children up here on the parapets. Uh, A few have thrown themselves off. Others are retching. Um, They're all mortified uh, at the terrible sight below. What do you want to do? Well, as I stand on top of the parapet... I say with Bodley, on three. Put a little wick burning on it. I'm going to throw it down. I'm going to try and land it on the old man with hope that it explodes in a fireball on him and around him. Mm-hmm. Okay. One, two, three. And we hold it over the parapet. And as I look over, I shout down, Now yog soth off, you fool. And I stick my finger up at him. <laughs> <laughs> the barrel explodes flames and begins to basically vaporize the body of the old man and the others beside him. I try not to breathe them in. There seems to be some sort of strange glow of light from below which is unnatural which isn't emanating from the flames. Look at this bodily. I don't like things I can't shoot. It's some sort of fog or mist which begins to grow, which seems to seep out from the mouths 
orifices of the flagellants below. Bodley, do you remember all that I told you about how devilish manifestations could only ever possibly be illusory because of Augustine's conclusive proof the devil could not create? Uh, yes. I may have been wrong. Bodley looks over. His big eye widens. <laughs> it's already pretty wide. <laughs> At the profane sight below, there seems to be thousands of eyes and mouths being formed in the glowing fog beneath you. Bodley, I have a plan. Fetch the wine. The wine? Yes, the wine. It's very important. Yes, master. He goes off. I look down at the thing and I begin to say prayers and sign the cross toward it. You can't hear prayers over the sound of the screaming and crying. I call down the stairs. Bodley, hurry! You see terrifying uh, blasphemous images. Then Bodley emerges, clinking with a dozen bottles. Ah, very good. Very good. Thank you, Bodley. Now, quick, pass them around. There's a few women on top of the parapet. Mm. He passes them around. Pass me a bottle, quick. I snatch it out of his hand. I pull off the cork and I bite it out with my teeth and then spit it down on the blasphemous abomination below. Take a big swig. I say, enjoy it, Bodley. You know all that what I said about heaven? We'll see if I was right. I take a big gulp. As does Bodley. And the women following your example. And then... You are overwhelmed by aberrant horrors. And then I fling myself from the parapet. You fall. In those last moments towards... beneath you. What is the last thought that crosses your mind? I sure hope I was right about all that heaven stuff. <laughs>